Are you through? Uh, yeah. You wanna? You actually wanna participate over here? Oops, wrong one. Oops, wrong one. Uh, Oopies candy. Oopies candy. Oopies candy. For once, it'd be tight if you were just like ready to go instead of always on your phone. You I'm, know, I'm ready. I'm 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 waiting for you to introduce the show. We always have some typical banter happening. You're a typical banter happening. I mean, boom. Yeah, whatever, whatever you say, dude. Whatever that means, I don't, I don't know. I don't know either. Great, good for you. I guess I'll just fucking do this. I guess. Uh, greetings, salutations, welcome, hello, and hi. That was a lot. Uh, it's episode 108 of Frightmares. I am your host, Austin Proctor. That is your other host over there, Gabrielle Proctor. Where? <sighs> so funny. I'm so funny. Wow. Uh, this week, we are doing some Peter Jackson horror movies. What? I know, right? You mean the same guy that did Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit? Yes, that guy. Got his start in... Fucking uh, Hollywood, whatever you want to call it, as a filmmaker, uh, doing wild. He definitely wasn't in Hollywood. Wild. He was in New Zealand. Sorry, wild and ridiculous, over the top uh, horror movies. So, yes. Yeah. Are you going first or am I going first? I'm gonna go first because I'm gonna have a hard time with this one because you decided that I should do the more complicated one, and I don't know why. I really that complicated. But it's sure. not that it's complicated. There's just a lot of stuff going well, on. Well, I'm here to help. Uh, anyways, so yes, two Peter Jackson horror movies. I picked one. You picked one. I mean, really, uh, the choices were limited because I think there's about four. So, <laughs> and we just picked the ones we both picked. I would do this one or this one, and he's like, "Oh, that's what I picked." I'm like, "Okay, well, glad we settled that." Yeah. So, um, yes. Do we want to talk about the new movies we've seen? I was going to talk about Peter Jackson, but we can do that in a second. I feel like we should talk about the new movies first. Well, we, I don't think me and Corey mentioned it. I don't believe we did, but we did. Me and you said we would talk about Suicide Squad because it's essentially... The Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad because it is essentially squad. Slither meets Guardians of the Galaxy. And I'm here for it. You're going to have to wait, Mom. Sorry. Why is she calling you? I have absolutely no idea. Anyways, so uh, yeah, it's pretty awesome because like I said, it combines two awesome movies um, and then it's also, you know... The, the weird mind of James Gunn is what you get, and you get some wacky shit going on in that movie, and a lot of fucking gore. A lot of good gore. Yeah, uh, they did not hold back on the violence, and um, that was really nice to see that they... Uh, obviously, I think the original Suicide Squad would have been a better film had they not had so much studio interference, and then everyone... I feel like everyone agrees that we got... The film we should have gotten in the first place, much like Justice League versus Zack Snyder's Justice League, where, okay, here's the what it should actually be now that you're not getting in the middle of it. Yeah, um, I think DC really needs to take some notes here because they have not really put out a good uh, movie besides uh, the Harley Quinn stuff was good, the... Um, whatever the hell that one, the Emancipation of the one fantabulous birds wonder. Of prey. Just call it birds okay, of prey. birds of prey. And then uh, wonder the first Wonder Woman was good. The second yes. one, unfortunately, was not as good. Just most of their movies that they come out with are, you know, the studio interferes too much, or the humor is just not there because Marvel has the humor down. So DC really, you know, they have, in my opinion, they haven't put out too many good movies. And then Zack Snyder comes and comes to do the 
you know, uh, Snyder cut. And then you have James Gunn with this wild ride. You're like, see, this is what you guys need to do. Take, let the directors do what they need. It's like, I, I feel like they don't understand the directors are not going to like, especially with someone like James Gunn or whatever, like there's Zack Snyder. They're not going to fuck it up. Just let them do it. And then it's going to be done the right way the first time. And then we won't have to like, you know, do it over again. Well, that's funny. Cause that's really what happened with like wonder woman. Um, and, and especially with birds of prey where, um, Margot Robbie was a producer on that and she um, fought hard for the character and stopped making it about a male gaze and actually let it be funny and women be violent and um, not petty, like stop stereotyping women and let them be their own characters. And that really paid off. And everyone's I I think I even mentioned to you how they were saying, oh, James Gunn has totally changed the DC universe. Like. Yeah, if you forget that Birds of Prey did the whole comedy violence thing first for DC, sure. I mean, and then Zack Snyder right after that as well, too. Like, so it's yeah. like... <laughs> Proved that the violence is okay. People can handle it. Stop being afraid of it. I like it because it, it adds more sense of realism because nothing is more jarring when you're watching a superhero movie and you watch people get like ripped in half or whatever, and there's just no violence or gore. It's just very unrealistic, you know what I mean? So giving it, you know... Like, blood and gore just makes it feel more real. Um, and swearing is also nice as well. I mean, plus it keeps, uh, you know, anybody under 17, unless they're sneaking in, out of the theater. So that's another plus. Yeah, that is nice not so, to have to deal with children's. We can all thank Deadpool, because I'm pretty sure that was, like, if not the first, one of the first R-rated, like, superhero movies. So kind of paved the way. I can't really think of another uh, R-rated one before that. I think Blade technically counts because he is a comic book character um, and uh, Spawn. Okay, fine. Let's just say Deadpool made it a little bit more popular, let's say that. Okay, he made it so that way violence and humor could be R and it wasn't just R for violence. So yeah, Deadpool really um, showed that modern audiences could um, really did like the swearing and wanted to stop making all their characters really modeled after like this steadfast um, image of like Captain America where he's all righteous and good and doesn't want to swear. And it's like, okay, but they're also people. Well, yeah. And, and cause uh, Deadpool was 2016. And then the next year you had Logan, which was an R rated, uh, you know, another superhero movie that was R rated. And that one is amazing. Logan is so good. So I think we find like, I think the studios finally found out like, Ooh, we could do this R rated, still make a lot of money. And the movies, I mean, you know, it's definitely better better than it would be without all the violence like you know if you're horror mm-hmm. fans like we are we love the violence and the gore and swearing and all that stuff it just makes yeah it gives it more of a sense of realism you know what i mean yeah so uh so that's suicide squad I'd, I'd go see that immediately and you can watch it on hbo max if you don't want to go to the theater and so, i'm boom. still trying to convince my parents to watch it they keep saying they're gonna and then they don't so what let them live their lives they need to get around to it because <clears throat> they picked a different new movie to watch and they didn't like that one so no yeah, they could have picked a better movie. Well, you want to talk about the other movie we saw? <laughs> uh, yeah, that is uh, Don't Breathe 2. Um, I think me and Spencer had mentioned that uh, I post, you know, I posted the trailer on Frightmare's Facebook page, and there was a couple weird comments from people like, oh, what am I supposed to root for? Uh, spoiler alert if you have, there's spoilers. If you haven't seen the first Don't Breathe, skip like, you know, a minute past this. Uh, but... Someone's like, am I supposed to really be rooting for a rapist right now? And I'm like, dude, one, it's a movie. This didn't actually happen. Two, I don't think you're supposed to be rooting for him. And three, you don't even know what the fucking story is about. So why don't we wait until it comes out? 
So that way we can know. It's just such a really weird comment to have. Like, no, I never, you know, supposed to be rooting for it. It's just. And also the trailers are meant like in horror movies, especially it's always a good idea to make the trailer misleading. So you don't know really what to expect. Yeah. And they did a good job with that. Honestly, it's funny. I expected it to go one way and then it sort of went that way. But um, I I kept wondering, how are they going to make it? As like upsetting more, yeah. or more upsetting more than sadistic. the uh, than the other film, and they're like, "Oh, we got it. Don't worry, we've come up with a solution." And you're like, "Wow, you know, it's weird because parts of the film you are kind of rooting for him, uh, mostly to see him um, beat some ass." Um, well, yeah, which was fun, but then um, by the end of it, you're like, "I don't feel like anybody should." Um, I feel like the girl should. Um, I, I, I'm rooting for her and like nobody else. So they, they did a really good job. Um, I, I feel like it definitely held up to the, the first film as far as um, stuff that you find out what's going on and go, what the fuck? That is why. And um, yeah, good work. Uh, yeah, they definitely, because, you know, the ending of the first one is extremely upsetting. If you have not seen it, it is very upsetting. It comes out of left field. It's pretty fucked up and sadistic. And yeah, they somehow made that feel like nothing, honestly. After seeing what they did in this one, I'm like, shit, that's so much worse than what he was doing. How? I, did, I didn't think it was possible. I did not think I would be more upset during this one than I was the first one. But here we are. Uh, I don't think it's as strong as a film overall. Uh, but I mean, there are some really good sequences and I do, I do really enjoy the story. It's, it's really fucked up and there's really good blood and gore. Yeah. Pretty good <clears throat> violence in there. Yeah. So overall, I think I gave it, a, I think it was a three, five for me. And the first one is a four. Um, but I mean, definitely a very solid sequel. It's not like one of those, um, sequels that was completely, you know, like shit or it was extremely better than the first one. It was, it was pretty on par. Um, it just, it just didn't, the first one, I don't know. It was just such an original idea. So knowing this one, you know the guy is blind. You're like, okay, what you know, what shenanigans are we gonna get into? Yeah, this, it was uh, more so um, the other characters that yeah created the development. He was pretty much doing his standard blind guy thing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that one was really solid. I I, I did really enjoy it. And uh, this weekend we have Nighthouse, which I am so hyped for because it's David Bruckner's new film. If you don't know David Bruckner. He's done The Ritual, and he's done, oh my god, that film just left my head. Oh my god, was it The Signal? I think it was The Signal. Um, he is pretty established in the horror community, and this is his new joint about some flippity-floppity house that is backwards and forwards, it's something like, a, like that. <clears throat> there's a reflection of the house, like it. it's literally a mirrored house, um, so everything's opposite. But yeah. it, it, it's a mirrored house, and... Um, it looks like it's going to be pretty trippy. Yes, The Signal. That was his first movie. Then he did a segment for VHS, then a segment for Southbound, then The Ritual. Oh, and apparently he did two episodes of Creepshow as well. And then he's doing Nighthouse. So that's this weekend. Super stoked for that. Also, Rebecca Hall is in that. She's fantastic. She's been in, like, more things recently. Yeah, she was in um, Godzilla vs. King Kong. Yep. So she's been doing a lot of stuff. She's working. And then the week after this is Candyman, which I'm super excited for. And it's even in Dolby. Oh, my God. So we had to do the Dolby showing for that, obviously. So we got some good stuff coming up. Uh, super excited. And I know Last Night in Soho is coming up in October. 
And I think Finally. That, and then, of course, Halloween Kills in Oct- uh, also in October. It's a lot of fucking good shit coming out. It's getting to be that time of year where it's like, all right, horror movies are a thing that are happening in theaters a lot because it's, you know, exciting. later in the year. Yeah. Well, it's, exci- yeah, it's exciting. I'm very, very ready for uh, Halloween Kills. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to say? Uh, okay, it's no. not. <laughs> I'll sit there and think about it. Uh, okay, well then let's do, let's go. Let's do the thing with the stuff then. The talk, thing with the stuff. Talk about Peter Jackson here, real quick. I'm gonna get his little IMDb thing up. So yeah, as I said, he was born in uh, New Zealand, 1961, and at a very young age, he started messing around with like Super 8 cameras and stuff like that, and just got a very you know got very passionate about movies. And, uh, yeah, the first movie he ever did was called Bad Taste. I haven't seen it yet. Um, actually, I hadn't seen either of these two movies as well. I had, though. You had, though. Uh, yeah. So, you know, when he first began, it was very amateur, low budget, using friends and local people to star in it. And then, you know, we see where he's moved on from that, you know, these tiny little productions with, you know, a couple million dollars a piece onto these huge blockbuster films, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit. I mean, it's pretty impressive from when- it's really odd that he started with these crazy, wacky movies and ended up there. It's just not, it's not really something typical you see where someone starts in horror and they're like, I'm going to do big, huge epics. You're like, oh, well, all right. That's interesting. I mean, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem very common to me, at least. Maybe um, they picked him because he knew the terrain. Well, I mean, it's possible. I'm, it was you know, a joke. I mean, it, it, maybe they wanted a local New Zealand director. Who knows? I, either way, I mean, it's just really cool to see where he's come from to... What he has gone on to do. Um, so the fir- the movie I picked, or I guess that we picked, I don't know, it was pretty much a mixed bag on who picked what, is uh, The Frighteners, and that is rated R with a runtime of an hour and 50 minutes. Now, we did watch the extended cut, and that was, or the director's cut, excuse me, and that was two hours and two minutes. Um, my Blu-ray had the option for both. So I was like, fuck it, let's do the director's cut. <clears throat> We've got time. Yep, so we uh, this is a comedy fantasy horror released on June 19th, 1996, directed by Peter Jackson, of course. You might know him from the things I've just said. Uh, this is starring Michael J. Fox as Frank Bannister. Uh, also might know him from like a little thing, Back to the Future, you know, among the other... Haven't heard of it. <clears throat> okay. Uh, among the other things he's done as well. Then we have John Astin as the judge. He also was Gomez in the Adams Family from the 60s, which I believe is the original one. Yes, it is the original. I mean, it is originally, it was a comic strip. Oh, well then, okay, the original show. Uh, and then fucking Jeffrey Combs as Milton Dammers. You might know him from Reanimator. He played Dr. Herbert West. Uh, again, among other things, you know, from Beyond. He's been in a lot of stuff as well from the 80s. Um, he, <laughs> my friend did not know he was in this. And then when I saw him on screen, I lost it because he 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 looks like Adolf Hitler with the hair over to the side. Very odd cut, you know, mustache. Very odd looking guy in this. He does kind of give off an SS vibe. <laughs> yeah. uh, so he's in this. Um, I see he's a, yeah, Milton Dahmers. And then we have fucking Dee Wallace who plays Patricia Bartlett. And you might know her from a little movie called E.T. Man, now I want to watch E.T. Uh, again, among many other things. But I mean. Yeah, but, but I want to watch E.T. Okay, great. We'll do that later. Uh, we're talking about this right now, ma'am. Yeah, but you brought it up, and now I want to watch it. I'll be right here. Come over here so I can hear uh, Reese's Pieces. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, talk about, like, an excellent cast, because every single one of these people are freaking amazing. And there was a couple other ones, too, that played bigger roles, like Lucy and um, what was her 
uh, uh, Lucy and what was his name? Uh, <laughs> Frank? Yes, no, Frank. No, 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 no. Lucy's uh, boyfriend. Oh, no, I can't remember his name. Ryan? Lucy was also um, played Meg Sorry. in the um, Little Women that was with had Monona Ryder and Kirsten Dunst in it. Oh. And... Something else. Someone Ray. Else. His name was Ray. Lucy and Ray. Yeah, they, whichever. They were in it, but I didn't want to do six people. I did the most famous people. Um, this had a budget of $30 million, and it definitely shows because there's a shit ton of CG. And uh, so, sadly, though, it only grossed $29.4 million. So Tragedy. Did not make its money back. Almost, though. Almost did. Uh, movies that came out around the same time we had this is okay like you got like pay attention to what's about to happen to your, to your mind hole right now all these movies right the rock the cable guy hunchback of notre dame the nutty professor striptease indiana indiana independence day jesus independence that sounds day, like a wild movie <laughs> independence day harriet and the or harriet the spy kazam kingpin matilda Escape from L.A., Jack, you remember that one with uh, Robin Williams where he yes. was, yeah. Jack, Tales from the Crypt, Bordello of Blood, and Tin Cup. I mean, those are all bangers. Every um, single one of those movies. I've seen Hunchback of Notre Dame, The Nutty Professor, Independence Day, Harriet the Spy, Kazam, oh, oh, Kingpin, okay. Matilda, and Tales about from the, the Crypt. Have you, you've never seen The Cable Guy? I wasn't allowed to. What the fuck? Pla- you've never seen The Cable I've Guy? I've seen bits of it. You've never seen The Cable Guy? I've seen the whole thing. Matthew Broderick. Fucking Jim Carrey. Have you seen Kingpin? What's her face with the blonde curly hair? Leslie Mann. That's it. Have you seen Kingpin? Uh, yeah. Not in like a while, but I've seen it. Have it's the bowling movie. Have you seen Harriet the Spy? Are you shit? I grew up on that movie. This I is- had the orange VHS. So did I. Well, okay. Wait, wasn't, the, wasn't that the Rugrats that was an orange VHS? Also, yes. Whatever. I mean, these are all... And I can see why this didn't do well, because there's actually a thing in the trivia that I'll just talk about now. It's that they wanted to release this later in the year around the time, you know, like October for Halloween. But the studio, again, these goddamn studios like, no, we don't want to do that. We want to release it in summer. This is your fucking competition. What are you thinking? Independence Day alone. I mean, that that movie made hundreds of millions of dollars, I think. I think it was like three hundred thirty two million dollars. So that's where all the money went. Interesting. All yeah, all their money went to all these other movies because, like I said, these are all solid films. Uh, so that's you know that's why it didn't make its money back. Um, and it's kind of a shame because I wish this did, you know, come out around a uh, like October because it definitely would have p- probably played a lot better since it's a pretty spooky movie and it literally has ghosts and shit in there. So that's true. Um, I think the body count was only about five. If I'm counting correctly. It was actually really easy to count in this yeah, one. About. It was easy to count for this one because it literally involves numbers, and I still fucking couldn't keep track of it. So I think I'm just gonna remove this from the, from the uh, like uh, what the for, body what, count from the format because it's we're always like oh, it's fine. Oh, there's it's, definitely, there's definitely a number dead of people. dead people. Um, I mean, this movie has ghosts, so there's plenty of dead people. Wow. So my specific horror moment is actually a death of someone, uh, like kind of in the main cast. So I don't want to say it, but it's pretty excellent. And it's actually one of the reasons that this movie, um, well, actually, I'll get to it. It's a really fun trivia fact. Um, did you have one? Ooh, favorite horror moment. Um, I can't hear you very well. I said favorite horror moment. There you um, go. No, not particularly. I did find it amusing because I remembered uh, one of the scenes when the ghosts are um, messing with the main girl and the um, the Raggedy Ann doll is possessed because it was kind of funny mm. because it's like tugging on her. But also, if you think about it, Annabelle, 
the original is a Raggedy Ann doll. So whether or not it was intentional, it's kind of a nod to that possessed doll. That's so true, I thought yeah. that was kind of just a funny thing. Like, no, I that was probably just coincidental. But uh, I, I did find that really amusing. They know what they were doing. Peter Jackson knows everything. Uh, all right. So without further ado, let's get to this uh, synopsis thing here. So, um, like I said, there's a lot that does happen. So I'm going to do my best here. Um, I believe in you. And I'm also here to correct you. Of course you are. <laughs> who played the mom real quick? I can't remember. Oh, I who... have absolutely no idea who that lady is. Well, I'm going to call her mom because I don't remember her name. Just don't call her mom. That's from a different movie. Any ways it is from a different movie. So the movie starts off in this wicked storm um, and it pans down to a house and there's like this woman running around and she's acting crazy. And uh, the woman that's running around is Dee Wallace who lives with her mom and she seemed kind of old to live with her mom. She seemed like she was in her like 40s or something. Yeah. I think they tried to make her look younger, but I was like, that's fucking Dee Wallace and it's 1996. She's in her 40s, if not 50s. Well, they kind of addressed that why, but it's not till the very end of the film. So, okay. Uh, well, uh, when you when you're watching this, you realize that she is starting to run away from something literally in the walls that is coming out of the walls to try and grab her. Um, which now that I think about it, knowing what that is, it's kind of odd that that person was trying, you know, that entity was trying to kill um, D. Wallace or, you know, trying to get her or something because. Yeah, that's true. I was just thinking about that. It doesn't really make much sense. We'll have to rewatch it with that in mind and see if we're misreading the situation. Yeah. So uh, nonetheless, um, uh, while uh, D. Wallace is running around, the mom comes out, I assume, because she has this wicked, wild, uh, you know, white hair. And then she just shotguns this thing right in the face. And it's like coming through the carpet. So she shoots the head and the head like explodes or whatever. And then you get your title sequence. And I'm just like, that was a lot going on all at once. And it's from the 90s. So the CG... While it's not, it's not like it's terrible. Like there's some instances where the CG is very well done. And then there's stuff like this where you're like, oh God, that has not aged, it's not because aged it's meant, very well. It's because it's that um, stretch technique that yeah. they're just stretching it um, where it lacks real like texture <sighs> or um, like shadows. It, it's just kind of smooth all over it. it yeah. And it, uh, it's missing that realism that uh, they definitely developed later on down the road. Well, and it's also 96. So CG is, you know, rapidly becoming more and more popular at this point. So, you know, we're still kind of working out the kinks with, uh, with CG. Um, so after that, we're introduced to a man named Frank Bannister, who is played by Michael J. Fox. Um, and he is a psychic investigator. We're also introduced to Lucy Linsky, and uh, who is a doctor, and her weirdo fucking husband, Ray. Homie's a weirdo. I just get a weird vibe from him. He's a very odd fellow. And um, we see Frank, who's driving completely erratically, which he does this the entire movie, by the way. He drives like a fucking maniac, and it never gets better. He's driving on the sidewalks, driving through cars, splitting lanes, and you're like, who taught you how to drive? Probably Doc Brown. Yeah. From Back to the Future. That makes sense. Anyways, uh, he ends up plowing through Ray's fence and then leaves his card with him. He's like, yeah, just call me. We'll take care of this later. Like, what? That's not how that works. Um, and then later that night at Lucy and Ray's house, because they live together, their house just goes fucking bananas with all this paranormal activity, like poltergeist stuff. So, um, you know, Ray has Frank's card. It says psychic. Um, what did I say? Psychic investigator. So he's like, yes. I'll call him. 
And then, you know, Frank, Frank drives over there and he's like, oh man, this is going on and this and that. It's going to cost all this money. And I'm like, this is suspicious as all hell. Like, what's going on here? And uh, you realize, it's explained later on that uh, what he's doing is pretty much a sham because, and they never explain this, but he's friends with these ghosts. They never explain why they're doing this. We never got an explanation as to why the ghosts are with him doing this. Like, they don't get paid. They're not alive. What's the point? Like, why are they helping him? Did they explain that? Did I miss that? No, I think they're just friends with him. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you realize um, because Frank is also the only one who can see them because something traumatic happened to him when he was, um, like, a couple years ago. I don't really necessarily want to give that away. But something traumatic happens to him and it changed his perception on reality. So now he's allowed to see ghosts. Like some of the story, I was like, okay, that seems kind of like a throwaway way, throwaway thing to like say, because so much of the story is very well developed. And then they kind of have these moments that just don't really explain anything. And I'm like, okay, so that's weird. So that's, that's Frank's situation with all the ghosts that he has just kind of at his like beck and call to help him for whatever yeah. reason. I don't know what they're getting out of that relationship, but I can't imagine it's that good. Um, so where was I? What was I talking about? You're oh, that, sorry. Go ahead. Talking about him um, exercising their house. Exercise the demons. So yeah, as he's doing this, he sees the number 37 in Ray's on like on Ray's head. And you can kind of see Frank get a little bit worried because he can, he's the only one that what? Oh. I'm, I'm just listening. You look like I said something wrong. Sorry. Uh, he has the number 37, and it's kind of like, how would you say, like glowing or something like that out of his yes. head? So he, like Frank is, uh, like, he's aware that he's the only person that can see this, and um, he gets kind of worried. And at this point, Ray is like, fuck this. This isn't right. You know, th this, there's no way this is real. So he just kicks Frank out of the house. And I was like, I mean, kind of a bold move since he's the only one that could probably help you, but, you know, whatever. Um, and then uh, at this point, we see the same monster from the beginning of the movie, that goes into Ray's house after Frank leaves. And then um, I guess at that point, I think that's when Frank finds him or um, Ray finds him and chases Frank down as a ghost. And you're like, wait, what the fuck happened? Is that, is that right? I can't remember. Um, he chases Frank down at, at the funeral or um, no, no, he, uh, he's there on the street and he is walking and he sees um, Ray running towards him on the sidewalk after oh. he sees uh, Lucy, is that her name? Which one? Lu Lucy is uh, yeah. Ray. Yeah. Lucy. Because uh, yeah. And so the judge mentions that death is all around him. So he kind of was looking around when he was in the downtown area and he sees a um, hearse go by with Lucy in, in one of the vehicles behind it. Mm. And then when he turns around, he sees Ray's ghost running towards him. Oh, yeah. I got way ahead of myself. That's my bad. You're just so excited. I am. It's just, again, there's just so there's so much shit that happens in this. So after Frank leaves, he goes back to his uh, what we're going to call uh, Shanty Shack because it's a house that's currently being built that he's living in, which, which is not fucking legal at all. We are building a house that, that would never be allowed. Um, you cannot just go live in there. So the house is not even put together and he's showering in like a plastic. It's a very odd situation. And uh, at this point, we see him get this mail from the bank that's like, we need $15,000 or else they're going to take the house. Well, at least what is left of that house. So he tells his ghost buddies, you know, we've got, fuck, I don't remember. That. Besides the judge, I don't remember the other two guys' names, whatever. It's judge and fucking Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Wow. <laughs> uh, that it's time to get seriously scary. So they've got to step it up to get money to like, you know, 
pay off the house or whatever, or pay off what he owes. Um, he also, get, go ahead. Their names are Cyrus and Stuart. That's right. That sounds right. It is um, right. I'm looking at them. Okie dokie then. Anyways. So, uh, um, I think this is at the point where we see him being accused by someone, um, calling him a fake because he gets called to a location and she, like the lady's holding up like a, like a, um, newspaper that says something about him being a fraud. Yeah. Cause someone gets a pic, uh, the newspaper gets a picture of him. Cause you see him briefly in the beginning of the movie, giving a business card to someone at a funeral. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. they get a, the newspaper gets a picture of him and then posts that he's a charlatan. And so the lady sees the newspaper between the time of calling him and him getting there. Yeah. And so she calls him out for being a fraud and a fake and he's not taken too kindly to that. So he, you know, he leaves, he goes about his way. And then this is when he runs into Ray, who is a ghost, and Ray is, is like super confused about it. So Frank gives him the lowdown about how this happens. And then um, they, he actually drives Ray to his own funeral that's happen happening right now. I thought that was pretty funny. And uh, <clears throat> it's weird because some of the ghosts can interact with Frank, but it seems that he can't interact with all of them because he runs into another one in the graveyard because he tells Frank, he's like, yeah, by the way, graveyards are kind of uh, not a good time because, you know, all the ghosts are there. So he can, and it's funny because the one of the guys he runs into is the, the sergeant from um, Full, oh, metal God, Full Metal Jacket. So it seems that the ghost can grab him and hold on to him, but he can't really do anything to that ghost. But later on you know, Frank is able to grab some, I don't know. So the mechanics of the ghost like world is a bit odd because sometimes he can grab things. Sometimes he can't. So I don't know how like, that works exactly. I like to think of it kind of like, um, the rules they put into place for like ghost or Beetlejuice where they don't always have a hundred percent control over whether yeah. or not they, um, like, um, at one point Ray accident or actually manages to hold up, like grab hold of a sticky note. Yeah. Um, but he can't necessarily always affect things. So, um, I remember seeing something, I can't remember what it's from, something where they were like, oh, the angrier you get or the more feelings you have, the more you can control stuff around you. Hmm. And it might've been supernatural, honestly. <laughs> um, so Good it's grief. like, they don't necessarily have total control over when and where they can, um, be more physical. Be more aggressive. Be aggressive. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so while they're at the funeral, uh, Frank is approached by a cop who says the FBI is getting super suspicious of, or worried about all these deaths because in the span of uh, it's either a couple months or a couple years, there's been like 28 deaths in this town. So the FBI is super, you know, very, very uptight about the whole thing. And I mean, that's just for good reason. Um because they all they all appear to have heart attacks, but the autopsy proves something different. Almost like the life has been crushed out of them. Um, so they, you know, like I said, the FBI is very suspicious about this whole entire thing. And um, it's funny too because the cop sees Frank pull Ray out of the grave. Of course, he can't see Ray, so he just sees Frank just kind of pulling nothing out of the grave and walking off. The cops like, huh? And then like shrugs it off as he walks away. Like, ah, okay, cool. It is really funny the number of times that you get to see. Um like interactions with the ghost from someone else's perspective. And you're just like, what the hell are what you this? doing? <laughs> what are you touching? Yeah. Um, so Lucy also approaches Frank too, and is asking uh, if Ray has any messages for her, because she believes that Frank is real and legit. And, you know, in some ways he is, cause he can actually see ghosts. Um, so she doesn't think he's a fraud. And then he kind of becomes like the middleman between Lucy and Ray because 
Ray can't talk to Lucy. So Frank is just this weird middleman relaying messages from Ray to Lucy. And that scene at the, like, the table was really funny because uh, he gets, uh, Frank gets very upset with Ray and says, oh yeah, he stormed off. And Ray's like, I'm right here. So that whole dialogue between them was funny. You know, I just had this weird thought that it's like, go for it. Um, that has to be really weird from Lucy's perspective. Like your husband died suddenly and you've got to learn to cope with that death, but also he's a ghost and you know he's there. So do you just not move on um, and grieve or do you just pass messages on for an extended period of time? What's the plan there? <laughs> what is happening? I don't understand. Yeah, the, the mechanics of this movie aren't 100% like uh, explained. It's kind of just... It's well, that just, would just be a real bummer. It, <laughs> Am I like, <laughs> if you passed away, but you're a ghost and you're hanging out, you're like, how... How do I live life with ghosts? How do I do that? Just start doing what they did in a ghost story and just start leaving messages around the house or whatever, or just knocking shit over. I'll just carve high into the wall. That won't be creepy, right? That's you'll get the you're message. There, but the uh, the electric bill's going to go down because you'll always turn off all the lights. Yeah. And I'll keep it. Actually, it's probably going to go up because I'm going to keep it really cold in here because, you know. Please don't. Anyways. So while they were out at dinner, Frank does go to the bathroom. Uh, as you do, and he sees a guy in the bathroom with a 38 on his head, and you can kind of see the pattern here. All right, well, he's got a number on his head. He's probably going to die next. And um, he's trying to, you know, look around for something and can't see anything and gives up pretty much immediately. Um, okay, get out of here, message. I don't care. Um, he's, he's like, right as, right as he sits down to give up, he sees this cloaked figure coming out of the mirror in the bathroom and just it just crushes this guy's heart to death. And now we know, okay, this fucker is up to something. He's he's going around marking these people and killing them by, you know, reaching his arm into their chest and squeezing the life out of them. Um, so I really like the story progression in this. Well, like, the, you know, the main story about how they're telling what spookiness is going on in the town. And uh, after that, we are then introduced to Jeffrey Combs as Milton Dahmers or Damers or is it Damers or Dahmers? Oh, I have no idea. So did you watch the movie? Yes, but I didn't pay attention to the pronunciation of his name. Oh, my God. Okay. Jeez. Anyways, uh, he is introduced to Lucy and uh, Lucy tell or Milton tells because he's like the lead, I guess, FBI guy in this whole case. And Milton tells uh, Lucy the whole story about pretty much what happened to Frank, you know, his traumatic event. Don't want to say what it is. And um they go into a very, very deep explanation of, I kind of have to say it, though. It's kind of, like, important to the story. I just kind of have to. Yeah, I kind of have to say it. Okay, go ahead. So, okay, I guess I'll just say it, whatever. We find out that Frank's wife dies. I won't say how, but Frank's wife dies, and she's found, um, you know, with a 13 carved into her head. So you can kind of see the chain of events from 13 to, you know, with 38 or whatever. There's just all, you know, so someone is marking these people to kill them. And, you know, when you find out, it's actually a pretty, pretty solid twist because I, I didn't expect that at all. So she's, you know, she's somehow involved in this weird spree of killings. And uh, that's kind of what changed Frank's perspective on life. And he's now able to see ghosts of that. Like I said, kind of just a weird way to explain that he can see ghosts. But I mean, you know, what, whatever. Um, and it's actually kind of funny because uh, later on, Frank actually runs into the lady accusing him for being a fake. And she's got a 40 on her head. And he tries to help her, being like, hey, you're being targeted. And she flips the fuck out, calls security, and um, tries to, like, get him, I don't know, detained or something. I don't know, because she, like, literally screams bloody murder. 
and uh, except for the fact that the cloak figure shows up at this point to take her out. But then guess who's there to save the day? Frank's ghost coming in all blasting guns and like, you know, yelling and screaming. And uh, the judge has got, I think he's got a pair of pistols that he's just blasting up into the air. And of course, again, Frank is the only person that can see this. So it's really funny to watch people's reactions to what they're, what you're, you know, what they're seeing. And then what Frank is seeing. It's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he actually ends up saving her and hauls her ass out of there with the cloaked figure hot on their trails. She does end up dying though, because you know, I find it'd it, be like that. <laughs> I find it concerning though that the cops are there. They open fire on him. So not only are they just shooting up a bunch of artifacts at this history museum, like shooting up a shit ton of artifacts, mummies, but then they are like shooting at him repeatedly while he is running past innocent bystanders. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you're like, like, like what the is fuck? Is this your first day on the job? Because I feel like one of the primary things you should do is aim to shoot the perp yep should probably try not to shoot anybody but aim to shoot the perp not just wildly shoot around and hopefully don't hit anybody else by accident anyways i started blasting i think that's what you said pretty much the entire thing yeah (laughs) it's funny that uh yeah because frank uh fucking what's his face from sunny philadelphia what's frank reynolds jesus christ um just watched an episode not 20 minutes ago so it should also be noted that the lady who had the 40 on her head uh, gets uh, when, after she dies by the cloaked figure, she gets like sucked up into this weird kind of almost portal light, and it to me that's the uh, you know like the light at the end of the tunnel. That's yes. what I, that's what I took as that that was not actually like you know because into the light. Yeah, exactly. So that was kind of interesting. And then um, Frank's now back at the police station, and he gets blamed for her death, of course, as you do. And this is when Milton comes in, and he's like, you know, it's very suspicious that twenty eight people have died since your wife did. He thinks Frank is somehow involved in all this and he is part of the reason, you know, he's got some alter ego that he changes into to kill all these people. And Milton could not be more wrong because it's, that's not it at all. Uh, I like he, that. he. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. That he thinks he's a psychic, like that he has mind powers he can use on people. Yeah. That was pretty spectacular. Yeah. He, he is a psychic communicator or whatever. Uh, yeah. He doesn't have weird psychic telekinetic powers. Yeah. So, uh, he tells Milton, he's like, I can, you know, I can, I can communicate with the other side and that death is the cause for all this. You know, like literally it's a cloaked figure. He doesn't, I don't think he has the, actually, no, he does have the pitchfork or the other uh, scythe. Yeah. Yeah. So of course Milton doesn't buy this shit at all. He's like, no, 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 it's your alter ego. And I love it at one point because he's sitting there with his hands over his face and Milton's like, oh my God, are you, are you doing it now? Are you, are you like changing into your, are you doing it? Like, well, yeah. Cause he says, <laughs> um, you know, there are some, uh, people that could, uh, actually, um, raise frogs heart rates to explode them and he accuses it and he um says that that's what frank's doing basically is that he's using his mind powers to explode people's hearts because um they they keep appearing to be heart attacks um but it really once they open them up it you you can see that it looks like someone just put their heart under so much pressure so yeah when he starts freaking out and screaming that was hilarious he's like you're doing it now like what i guess i'm doing it right now currently yeah, and there, uh, you know, anytime Jeffrey Combs is on screen, screen as this character, it is just it's it's so fun to watch. He's so wild and ridiculous in this movie. I mean, most of his roles are a little wild, but I mean, this one specifically, it's just he's so much fun to watch. So yeah, um, so we've got Frank in jail, you know, essentially 
because everyone thinks he did it. And a lot of other people have a interacted with Frank, you know, right before their death. So that's why Milton is very suspicious of him. And I just, I'm going to leave it here. Cause it's like, it just, it, you find out a lot right after, like right after he's in jail, you kind of find out all this stuff in a line that starts to add up towards the end. And then you get to the end and you find out who's actually behind this and how it, you know, ties into the beginning of the movie, even though it is kind of confusing. And it's just, it's a very solid, a very underrated movie that, I don't think enough people are talking about. Uh, I know the CG can get wonky, but there are very, there's actually a lot of good CG as well. Like I like the so, effect with the, the ghosts for the most the part. The ghosts look awesome. Yeah. Like so much of this movie looks great, but yes, it also, it is also, you know, 15 years old. So, you know, CG isn't the greatest, but I can tell you this, it is exponentially better than the Mortal Kombat movies. That's for, especially Annihilation. You know, it's funny as I was thinking, man, <coughs> I, I believe it's better than The Haunting. Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely better than The Haunting. But I was trying to think when the hell that one came out. The Haunting was 1999. Yeah, which is funny, because, you know, it came out after, but, um, that one, the quality was terrible. Well, yeah. It's because, you know, not Carpenter, geez, Peter Jackson had to expand his library of computers from, like, one computer to 30 to handle all this CG and graphics and stuff like that. Well, they had 50 million more dollars on The Haunting. That's not my fault. That they didn't use it wisely? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, for, for a 90s movie, this definitely stands out. The CG 100% stands out for what they did. You know, like I said, it's not all perfect, but a lot of it is very solid and probably some of the best to come out of the 90s because, as we all know... The 90s were rough for almost every genre. It just was a, you know, it was it was an odd odd decade. Okay, maybe not every genre. Uh, horror movies though. It was a weird year for horror movies because yeah. you were coming you know, you're coming out of the 80s, you know, out of the slashers and then you went into these weird kind of teen scream movies. It was 90s were just uh, kind of all over the place with there wasn't really like they were a hit and miss. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. Um so I I really I really enjoyed this one. It was it was fun. I think I'd probably uh watch the regular cut because at two two hours and two minutes it, it was a bit long um even the next one we're going to talk about i think it was like hour 40 something it was you know hour 50 it's like it's just it's just a bit long if you could cut just a little bit out um but i really enjoyed it i don't know about you yeah i liked it i've seen it like i said i've seen it before oh, that's so right, that's right, that's right. uh since i'd seen both of these movies before i was like yeah i'm cool talking about either of these because i've already seen them True. On yeah. my I, own. I'd never seen either one of these, and uh, I really, I mean, I, enjoy, I enjoyed them both. This one, I'm going to say, was like a random Netflix watch. Like, it, really? was, it was probably on Netflix at some point, and I was like, yeah, I'll watch this years ago. Um, the other one that, I, that I'm that i reviewing, um, my sister showed to me because she's got a weird sense of humor. Yeah, that's an odd sense of humor. Uh, all right, well, let's get to some trivia here. So, uh, moving on, we've got the first trivia up here is it was filmed during, or sorry, it was during filming this. Oh, that is a weird way to phrase that. During filming in New Zealand, uh, Michael J. Fox made up his mind that he had had enough of being away from his family making movies and decided to head back to the small screen and star in a new sitcom called Spin City. And this movie was actually his last leading role in a film. So that was kind of interesting. I thought that was, I thought that was a fun little trivia right there. Uh, Michael J. Fox also performed many of his own stunts. Ironically, he broke his foot uh, by a simple fall while filming in the forest at night. Peter Jackson said Fox's injury was actually a blessing in disguise because it allowed him to work on the script some more and uh, edit out some of the scenes while Fox recovered for a week. Because apparently you only need a week to recover from a broken foot. I was wondering that too. <laughs> apparently. 
Danny Elfman was so impressed with Peter Jackson's previous movie, Heavenly Creatures, 1994, that he offered to do the score for one of Jackson's next movies and agreed to do this movie without even knowing what it was about. God bless Danny Elfman and his magic. Yeah. Uh, this was originally planned as a Tales from the Crypt feature, but executive producer Robert Zemeckis, that's right, same guy who I think di- I think he directed Back to the Future. I can't remember if he directed or produced. He liked it so much that he thought it should stand out on his uh, on its own and not be part of a series. And I couldn't agree with you more because this is a very long movie. I couldn't imagine condensing this down much less, you know, any any less. Yeah. Yeah. Just very agreeable today. Uh, Peter Jackson and Robert Zemeckis unsuccessfully campaigned. Oh yeah, I already said this. They wanted to have it set for October, but they wanted to, you know, studio was like, no, nah, we're doing it in summer. And this backfired because it did not do well in the gross earnings. One of my favorite pieces of trivia right here is that this was actually supposed to be PG 13. However, the MPAA thought it was way too intense for that rating and gave it an R. And no matter how much Peter Jackson edited the movie, he did not get it down to the desired rating. Uh, so it would stay an R. So Jackson was kind of angry because he tried to tone it down for nothing, so he changed a death scene in the movie to be way more graphic in order to make the rating feel more deserved, and that was my favorite kill. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, because <laughs> it's wacky. And uh, last but not least, Tom Cruise, Matthew Broderick, Johnny Depp, John Cusack, and Danny DeVito, weirdly enough. That would have been a completely different movie if he played Frank Bannister. Just a little bit. Were considered for the role if Michael J. Fox turned down the part, but... Michael J. Fox was the first person Peter Jackson went to, and he said yes. So, uh, Although uh, Matthew Broderick would have been interesting as well. Johnny Depp, no. Tom Cruise, definitely not. John Cusack could have done it. I was going to say John Cusack. Dan- <laughs> I can't. Imagine. I would have watched that, <laughs> yeah, but... Uh... I mean, like, it would have been great if he was one of the ghosts. Danny DeVito as a ghost would have been hilarious, uh, but him as the lead role, I don't know. That would have been a completely different fucking movie. Uh, the rating for this one is a 7.1 out of 10 on IMDb, 3.4 out of 5 on Letterboxd, and I gave it a 4. Well deserving of a 4. I'd give it like a 3.5. <laughs> Whatever, dude. Whatever, dude. I'm surprised you didn't put the trivia in there that I saw that uh, Michael J. Fox ruined a lot of takes because he wouldn't stop calling the judge Doc. Oh, I, I must have missed that one. Yeah, because that was hilarious. So just like, I'm really engrossed in the Back to the Future films. I don't know anybody else's names. Well, let's see. You got, let me see real quick. Back, first Back to the Future was, yeah, 80, 85, part two, 89. Oh, part three was 90. Yeah, so I was going to, it's not even really around the same time. That was six years ago. Yeah. Gotta go back to the future, Marty. Huh. Wow. That was good. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed this. I don't believe it is streaming anywhere. I bought the DVD or the Blu-ray on Amazon for like nine ninety nine. So for the, for the, you know, the cool ten dollars you can grab this definitely worth it if you have not seen it 100 percent. yeah i would agree with that now let's switch tones completely oh boy because this is a wildly different movie this oh boy. movie my sister said we're gonna watch this movie and i was like okay cool whatever and um then she followed that up with we're gonna finish eating first i'm like oh okay that's weird but sure that's correct. You should never be eating food. You can eat food for maybe the first 15 minutes and then you're not going to want to because it's it's going to ruin food for you. I mean, to be honest, it's really until like the last 40 minutes or 30 minutes is really when it gets insane. But yeah, yes, and, but there are a couple yeah. of eating scenes that are just like very <laughs> goopy. And <laughs> yeah, bleh. yeah. So this movie is Dead Alive, also known as Brain Braindead. Um, ow. 
Are, are you are you okay? Yeah, you have a mic stand right there. I kicked it. Well, look look before you kick or something. It's black. I couldn't see it. <laughs> okay. So rated R, runtime of an hour and 37 minutes um, for the theatrical or an hour and 44 for the director's cut. So obviously it's just worth it to watch the director's we, cut. Yeah, we watch uh, the director's. Yeah. My God, who's stop calling me? I'm doing a podcast. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> anyway, ahead. it's a comedy fantasy horror. Uh, it was released on February 12th, 1993 in the U.S. Happy Valentine's Day. And it was directed by Peter Jackson. Shocking. I know. I know. Who's that guy? Who's that Pokemon? And um, frankly, there's not a lot in the way of uh, recognizable cast, but we've got uh, Timothy Balm as Lionel Cosgrove. He was also in a bunch of stuff that we've never heard of. I did try to find like one actor that I recognized from something. Couldn't do it. Nope. Um, <laughs> That's why I only included three people on this. Diana Penalver as Paquita Maria Sanchez. She was also in a bunch of Spanish stuff we've never heard of. <laughs> and Elizabeth Moody as Mum. She was also in the Lord of the Rings extended, extended version as La Belia, who I also don't remember. Well, it's from the extended cut. I've, I haven't seen. I've seen those one time, and Lobelia, Lobelia is probably clearly a, a small role, a side character. Um, Dead Alive is the first movie for these three actors and the most known. So, um, this was clearly a no, no, no. Sorry, it's it's their first movie on on like most known. Yeah, so it's yeah. So this this is the one. Yeah. <laughs> um, a budget of a whopping three million. It's a skosh smaller than the last one, and it grossed two hundred and forty-two thousand, which is a colossal failure in terms well, of scale. I, this was his first one, so I'm, I'm sure it probably had a limited, but it was probably more of like a, I don't know. I mean, like I don't well, know. Well, I know that this one has got more of a cult following. Like yeah. you couldn't even find it streaming anywhere or oh, to buy it. Um, it as of twenty seventeen, it's still not available on DVD to watch in New Zealand. I think it said it wasn't. Yeah, it was either like 2015 or 2017. Yeah, it's still not available for purchase. So it's a really hard movie to get a hold of. Which drives me crazy because it's like, okay, you have a movie that has a cult following. Like, can is it maybe something to do with the rights that maybe someone can't, you know, get it and do like a 4K scan of it so we can re-release it? It's it kind of it, it's always baffling to me to know why some of these movies are just not available. Like we had to watch this on fucking YouTube. Yeah, don't know how it was on YouTube. But it we was, watched it. It was there. Um, so movies that came out around the same time. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. Children of the Corn 2, The Trashening. Boom. Um, Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey, Groundhog Day, Army of Darkness, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. I've seen all of these. Yeah, again, pretty, uh, I mean, not as big as the other ones mentioned, but I mean, you know, still some solid movies. I love Unless Homeward you, Bound. You know, everything but the first one. Um, yeah, I like that movie. I had a lot of fun with that. Fire. So much fun. Plot holes aplenty. Um, body count. There's physically no way to know what the body count is. Yeah, we're dropping this. No more body counts. I'm taking this off the fucking format. It's pointless. Uh, specific horror moments. There's a lot of good ones. I think we can both agree at the whole climax of the film. It's a is a great horror moment. I know. I said the whole damn thing, but really, uh, what I mean is uh, the the lawnmower scene. Probably my favorite. It was it's amazing. Just, it was ridiculous. It, do, it no. What the fuck doesn't even make sense yeah so um oof so this film opens up <laughs> on skull island because peter jackson's a big king kong fan shocking he got to make the movie down the road what? um and a 
zoologist and um, rando guy for hire are taking a box, a bamboo box, and they are trying to get it through these mountains. And then the local natives are um, throwing spears to try to stop them. But um, the zoologist pulls out an automatic weapon of some kind. Yep. Oh, yeah. Just something. Yeah. And uh, starts firing. You're just like, what? Where the? And then he drops that. And also um, has a machete that he drops on the ground. And you're just like, so drop all the weapons. Okay. So um, he decides to carry that on one shoulder. So it makes you wonder why exactly they needed two people to carry it. Because suddenly he can just totally hoist that thing on one shoulder and haul ass. I was cracking up because they're both walking so slowly carrying that out of there. And then he just breaks off the things. I'm like, oh yeah, we were like, what the fuck? Why did yeah. you just do that from the beginning? So, um, Jackass. he runs off to a truck, but while he's running from the natives, um, he gets bit and scratched by the monkey. That is in the cage. And um, so then immediately the guys that stop that he in the Jeep that he was driving away and stop it, throw him out, cut off each limb that like looks like it's been infected. But somehow these guys, I guess, do right by the um, people that wanted this particular specimen because they still take it to the airplane. Singaya. Yeah. Um, they take it to the airplane. It gets toted into a zoo. And then we cut over to a small town, completely off, just change of scenery. Yep. So we cut into a small town grocery store um, where Paquita is working and trying desperately hard to hit on a man who is not paying attention. And um, she kind of gets annoyed and her grandmother asks, so do you like that man? And she's like, yeah. And she's like, cool, we're going to read the tarot cards and see what exactly those say about your future. So her grandmother sees that she will not, um, it's not that man she'll fall in love with. It's another man. Um, you'll know him by the stars and moon. Um, and then she sees something else concerning, but she hides it before Paquita can see it and kind of brushes Paquita off. So then in walks Lionel, who, um, is, he looks like a budget bargain, like Bill uh, Bill Pullman. Yes. You, That's who he looks like. You thought about St. Paxton, didn't you? I know. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, it literally looks um, like you're like dollar store Bill Pullman. So Lionel comes in to get his grocery order and Paquita is kind of annoyed at his existence up until he knocks a bunch of shit over that conveniently makes the shape of a star and a moon just like the tarot card her grandmother <laughs> just showed her. And you're just like, Okay. Those, those results were immediate, man. What? Yeah. So Paquita immediately starts hitting on him. Uh, Paquita is definitely just looking for love. She wants love now. Um, and she gets him to invite her to the zoo um, by pretending that she doesn't understand what he's saying enough, enough to trick him into inviting her to the zoo. It's actually pretty uh, yeah. funny. <laughs> She's like, you zoo. Zoo with you? Like, okay. You yeah. You want to go to the zoo? Yes. Like, yes, tomorrow? He's like, uh, uh, sure. yeah, yes. Clever bastard. So he goes home to his mother, who's, um, uh, what's the word I want? Not well, uh, not well, not, I don't know, fucking not adjust. I can't, what am I Controlling? Let's go with that. Manipulative? I don't know. Um, he's still, they, she hasn't cut the umbilical cord. Let's go with that. It's kind of um, how uh, the mom and uh, 
uh, mom and daughter vibed in Frighteners. Yeah. A little bit. Um, a little bit. So you kind of kind of wonder how Peter Jackson's home life was. Uh, Who so, hurt you, Peter Jackson? Who hurt you? So his mom is super controlling over everything he does um, ever since her. she She's playing that thing um, where the mom will kind of treat the son like um, her stand-in for a spouse because her husband um, died and... Um, so she's they're all they have left and she's very controlling over everything and um she's talking about this women's league that's going to come and visit and he says that he's got a uh, date to go on so the next day he goes on the date with Paquita and they go to the zoo and they're walking around and they see the cute little monkeys and the cute little monkey gets murdered by this rat monkey Singaya in the other cage who um, is the one from the beginning of the film. And this guy comes over entirely unsolicited um, as they're watching this thing, not only um, take the food that that monkey, the first monkey was eating that he murdered, but then like rip off a limb to eat it. And you're just like, okay then. And the, uh, what's really nice is this rat monkey is like claymation. So that's kind of amazing. yeah, it's pretty special. But I mean, hey, it looks it looks pretty solid. It looked fun. Yeah, look look pretty solid. Because uh, you see, you're like, what the fuck is that thing? Rat so the guy explains that, um, which there's a lot with this explanation. It's just like, whoa, that's a lot to say, but sure. Um, where the rats off slave ships got onto the island and raped all the monkeys. You're like that. Yep, that makes perfect sense. And then you got this nightmare fuel abomination rat monkey thing. And um, so they're like, well, that was super weird. And they go off to sit on a bench and kind of chit chat. And while they're chit chatting, um, you see that Lionel's mom, who just gets called mum throughout this whole movie. Legit, that's her name. Yep. Yeah, that's her character credit is mum. Mum. is totally stalking him through the park because he can't let her or she can't let him have a date. Um, so while she's busy hiding in bushes and stuff, she trips and falls backwards and the rat monkey bites her and she starts screaming. And it's kind of terrifying that Lionel hears the screaming and goes, mom, and goes to go help her. And, uh, when they get the rat monkey off of her, uh, she crushes its head under her heel which was aggressive and um so he takes her home while she's yelling something about following him on her uh him on his date and how paquita is a dirty girl yeah she's basically she's a whore like whoa yeah, like, reel it back haven't even met her don't but sure. even know so he takes her home and um Paquita comes to try to talk to him later and he kind of shoes her off. He's like, you know, it's not good for you to be here um, because his mom's kind of crazy. And um, yeah, oh, she real crazy. Yeah. So when he goes to try to take care of his mom, this bite on her arm is pulsing and pussing. And he's like, all right, I think we should call the doctor. And she's like, no, no doctor. But her speech is starting to get slurred and her face is starting to droop. And it's kind of like her tongue swollen. Cause she can't really say everything right. And while she's upstairs, um, someone knocks. So when he goes to see who it is, it's the women's league that was supposed to come to their house. So they rush to get her makeup on. And in the process, she rips off a chunk of her cheek. So they have to super glue it back on. 
which is how that you know that was, something's yeah. not quite right. So they finally get her ready and get her downstairs for a meal where she's just kind of slurring her words and they're trying to keep up this awkward conversation with these two people. And uh, she straight up rips a steak off the lady's plate and starts eating it. And um, so then they finally bring out some custard. And what? No, no, I'm, I'm listening to you talk about custard. And this guy is talking about how much he loves custard and he's so excited. Well, he's just like chowing away at this custard while uh, mum is um, bursting pus bubbles that go right into <clears throat> his custard that he straight up eats. And then her ear falls off and she eats that because it falls right into her custard. And you're just like, can I say the one thing that drove me mad about that scene besides that that was happening is the fact that there's when the pus gets in that guy's custard, the lady across from him watches him fucking eat it. Doesn't say a word. I'm like, you bitch. Like, say something to the man. You're making you're letting him eat pus and blood. Oh, God. Yeah, it's. um, Again, this is why you don't eat during this film. Oh, God, no. Um, For the love of God. So, yeah, I remember we were eating dessert last night, and I was like, okay, we have to finish eating these now. Now. Um, Fucking gross. So, from there, his mom starts deteriorating, and um, they try to call a nurse for her at one point when they think she's taking a fall down the stairs um, and try to get her to the hospital. She attacks the nurse, and... um, you're kind of getting the vibe like they're kind of like, that scared the hell out of me. He's all stepped on my foot. Oh, hello, I'm <laughs> she here. She was asleep on the other side of me. That scared the hell out of me. Um, Maybe you can see ghosts now. Yes. Did you have a traumatic event? Ev- yeah, okay, whatever. Jeez. Uh, so Lionel kind of shoes Paquita off every time she tries to show up because he is now panicking because um, his mom and this nurse are both some sort of rabid zombie type thing. So, and then it kind of goes all over the place. The movie is pretty wild and a lot to keep track of, but um, essentially they do get to the point where they believe his mother's dead because he goes to visit Paquita and they think she's gotten like, I think it was hit by a vehicle. Or something. Um, she she <clears throat> dies, according to everybody else, and they're like holding a funeral and um, she totally busts out of uh, her grave when Lionel's trying to dig her up to try to take care of her because he knows she's not really dead. But is she? Yeah. So when he's doing that, a bunch of greasers, because, oh, also it's like the 1950s for no apparent reason. Oh, yeah. It was, it was like a weird time, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, They come and start harassing him and they first they call him a uh, necrophiliac and then i think they call him a pedophile and you're like those are two separate things pick one yeah those aren't the same thing and one is highly unrelated <laughs> to someone being in a cemetery um that is correct so while they're messing with him and roughhousing him his mom breaks out of the uh ground breaks out of her grave uh zombifies the uh one of them kills the others and then um the priest who lived there also gets zombified so now lionel's got to deal with a greaser his mother a nurse and a priest it's not a walks into a bar joke i was gonna say it sounds like a walks in the bar joke and um, while trying to hide this all from Paquita, who is trying desperately to help out. And now he also has to deal with his uncle, 
who has um who is trying to muscle in on any of the will and trying to get money. So when the uncle catches wind of what happens, he decides to make a deal with Lionel in order to get Lionel to um give him things because he he's I like need things. He wants to show off his wealth and how cool he is and how creepy he is with women and whatnot. Uh, yeah. And also Lionel gets to deal with a the nurse and the priest screwing and giving birth to a deeply unsettling zombie rabbit oh, baby. That's one fucking ugly baby. That baby is uglier than the seed of Chucky. That uh, oh my god. Yeah. It was horrifying. What's really great is there's a, a scene in the film um, where he's trying to take the baby for a walk in a stroller for reasons we don't know. They actually finished filming early, so they filmed this scene where he takes the baby to the park, and um, it's so funny. Like it is. Unbelievably funny. Every time the baby gets out at one point, sometimes the baby is a small baby doll. Other times it is clearly some sort of small child or dwarf running around in a baby costume because now it's like quadrupled in size and it's this big chunky baby thing. And it's so funny. Like there are four different versions of this baby in the exact same scene. Yeah. That's kind of how, like I told you when we were watching how Chucky is the same way. The first Chucky, there's a couple of scenes where you can clearly tell it as a, you know, as a little person in a costume. Other times it's a, the animated doll. It's, it's just like, keeps, keeps changing. And you're like, I, I, I get it. It's the nineties, but man, it's so silly. Yeah. It does so, add to the campiness of the movie too. So I'm pretty much going to stop where, uh, Lionel is trying to hide all of this from Paquita deal with his uncle who has now figured out that there are zombie people in the basement, but he thinks it's some sort of creepy sex thing because Lionel's been sedating them. And, um, his uncle invites everybody for a party, which is a horrendous idea. And that's really where I'm going to leave it because the whole climax of the film is outrageous. It's a long part of the film. Yeah. It's quite long. It's it's a pretty long uh, climax, but they keep it going the whole time. They don't let up. And, um, it's such a bonkers movie. Yeah. I really need this. Uh, I would like to own this at some point. And, uh, because you know, my dumb ass didn't think to look for this before we, we, you know, we're about to do the episode or about to watch them. And I'm like, Oh shit. Cameron's not on Amazon. It's not anywhere. Fuck. What do I do? And off, you know, on a whim, I just went to Google and I said, you know, brain dead or dead alive full movie pops up on YouTube. Couple versions. I think they had the regular version and the director's cut. And I'm like, how, how is this allowed? You know, how are they allowed to usually that would get flagged for copyright or something? Nope. So it's on YouTube. If you want to go check it out quality, not that great, but I mean, Hey, it's free. It is there, and it has like hundreds of, like a few thousand views or something like that, like 33,000 views. I um, will say, though, if anybody was like, oh, man, no, I want to watch E.T., that is streaming on Amazon, so good news there. There you go. Wow, great. Glad. We own the know. movie, too, you weirdo. I know. I own the collector's edition, but I lost the sleeve. <sighs> Terrible. It was a Christmas present, and you can't get rid of it. The DVD is a moon. Oh, boy. Because it's a collector's edition anyway, um, but it's streaming, which makes it a lot easier to do because we packed that DVD. So anyway, um, yep, it's if you have the stomach, Dead Alive is a great movie to watch. Um, it, it is extremely graphic, extremely gory, 
lots of pus and guts and just a lot of stuff that will easily make you gag. Well, and it's funny, too, that we picked these two movies because you have this one from 93 or 92. This really, you know, 93 release here in the U.S., which is all practical effects. And they all still hold up damn well for being nearly 20 years old. Yeah, they still work because yeah, it's uh, practical. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing that is goofy is the baby shots where yeah. it's clearly like a person in a baby costume. That's about it. And frankly, it's funny, so it's still fine. Yeah, so you have this one, great practical effects, looks amazing, still holds up. And then you have Frighteners from four years later, completely like no real, besides the judge who has some practical effects on his face, really all CG. So it's kind of funny that we picked these because there's a huge, you know, contrast on quality. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I just think it's funny that these are the ones we put. You do need a stomach, though, seriously. Like, you know, if you like blood and guts, fine. This is like this is like trauma-level gross. You know, because trauma, we've done a couple movies on, on the podcast, and they are just kind of goopy, like, gritty B-movies. So if you can handle trauma, you can definitely handle this. But, yeah, it is a... It is a lot because I was wondering too, like, okay, there's been a lot of crazy stuff that happens in this movie, but you know, there was about 40 minutes left and I'm like, so when are we taking it up? Oh, right now. Okay. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, the thing with the, like there are shit. some gross scenes, like there are some eating sequences, uh, like I mentioned where there's, um, there's a couple of those where it's just really gross because it's gross pussy things, but also with food. So that's rough. That's yeah. But the whole climax of the film is nonstop gore and sh and like carnage and which is because it's nonstop for a good half hour i'd say at least a half hour of just insanity yeah um it, it, it can be a lot at the same time because yeah trauma films are gory but they're usually in like bits though the whole last half hour of this film is non-stop i mean if you've seen if you ever watched Pol poultry guys night of the living chicken that one is uh oh boy that is a lot going on in that movie um so, yeah, in this one, you know, you've got multiple, like, decapitations, severed arms, severed legs. You've got the... Flaying. Yeah, the floppy cheek thing. You've got the chewed-up ear, dead dog, eaten dog, one ugly baby. you got a, a, a de-ribbing, which is what I'm calling it, when someone's rib cage literally got ripped right out of their chest. It was fucking ridiculous. There's, like, some degloving scenes, but, like... Yeah, there's that. Not for hands, but for other for, body parts. Yeah, the face. There's, a there's a variety of they, Like someone's face skin completely ripped off. Get an iron to the face. And then you had that one lady who got decapitated, but the head fell back. And the, ke the head get, kept nearly getting. Nearly headless. Yeah, nearly headless, whatever, like Wendy, whatever her name was. And the head kept just falling back. I'm like, how many times are you going to decapitate a lot. yourself? It's like six or seven times. Uh, then you have some ripped out teeth as well. Like, it. Oh, it's relentless. This movie it just doesn't stop. And you're yeah, like, I, and especially that lawnmower scene when it is just, it's just sludge and goop and just whatever that was. Yeah. Fucking, I don't even know. But it's know a good time point. though. Oh, it's a good time. I think my facial expression, which obviously you can't see, was just double chin, head back, eyes. It's exactly what I thought it yeah. was. I looked over at him at one point. I'm like, it's there's like, the face I was waiting for. And it it's, I sat like that for a good 10 minutes just, and then I'd be like, with my face, like, oh, what? I don't, oh, this is so fucking much. My poor eyes. What am yeah. I doing? What am I subjecting myself to for this fucking podcast? Good times. <laughs> uh, all right, go ahead with the uh, trivia. Trivia. This movie is said to be the bloodiest of all time, measured in the amount of um, film blood used during the production. 
about 300 liters of fake blood was used for the final scene of the film, in case you were wondering. Thanks, Canada. Liters, whatever that means. Uh, translate it. I know. We, the, um, the U.S. really needs to get on the whole metric system, metric system because we're sense. like the only fucking country that doesn't use it. No, I think it's us in like one other country. Um, the rental in Sweden, probably other countries as well, came with supplemental vomit bags, which is probably a good plan. Uh, during the lawnmower scene, the movie blood was pumped in at five gallons per second. See, now, now they can use gallons. I was going to say, now that one's gallons. All right. So how many is 300 liters? Which doesn't make any sense now that they're saying, well, that I guess that was, yeah. Um, 300 liters is 80 gallons. Yeah. Okay. That's a lot. Yeah, it is. That's a lot of blood. Just in the final scene too. Um, yeah. So that might not be like, that might not include the lawnmower scene. That might just be the actual. Yeah. That might just scene. be the other uh, in yeah. the final. Yeah. It says final scene. So yeah. Uh, during the lawn. Oh, sorry. That was my bad. <laughs> As of 2015, this film has not been released to DVD in New Zealand, which is so weird, but whatever. Yeah. Lionel's symbol in the tarot card deck is a black armored knight. When he first meets Paquita, he tries to buy some black knight licorice. Subtle. Which he uses. And it kind of uh, leads to him knocking a bunch of shit over. Yeah. Peter Jackson paid homage. 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 Go to hell. <laughs> uh, to this... Um, to this film in his version of King Kong. During a scene in the boat, you can see a crate with the words Sumatran rat monkey clearly shown on the side. Now I want to watch King Kong just for that moment and then turn it off. I actually have that on my computer. I actually like that movie. I know everybody else was like, this movie is 40 years long. Now keep in mind, I kind of give up on the film about the time they go back to New York. Um, But the whole first part, I'm super into that. Yeah, I know. I still like that movie, but yeah, it's like three hours, six minutes. Holy shit, dude. This is not a new movie. This is a remake. We don't need to be making it this goddamn long. Yeah, Just and I pretty saying. much don't care after they get back to the town. Um, I already know what's going to happen there. I like watching everything else. Yeah, no surprise. I like So that's interesting. You like watching the build-up. Fuck the uh, climax of this. I just want to watch the build-up, the exposition. That's the meaty part of the movie. That's. I also feel the same way about the movie Australia, which is also a... Seven hours long. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, this is super cool. But by the time they get the cattle herded, I'm like, yep, and now I'm out. Yeah, I, I need to take a nap after. after I'm like halfway through this movie. Fuck, I need a snack and a nap. That's what I need. Yeah, you can't have all the excitement stuff in the middle and then just kind of bring it down from there because it's like, okay, now I'm out. Yeah, I'm out, dude. Yeah, but anyway. Um, so this has a rating of 7.5 out of 10 on IMDb and a 3.9 out of five on Letterboxd. Which is insane. I did not expect uh, the ranking to be that high since I knew it was a B movie. You know, it's a B movie. You gotta appreciate what the fuck they did in I, this film. I was gonna say, I don't think I've ever seen a B movie like, besides like Reanimator. I think Reanimator's like a 3, 8, 3, 9. But I mean, like a movie like this, which is just so wacky, so ridiculous, and so much just goop and gore, I don't think I've seen one that, like a 3.9. That's that's impressive. Um, what did you give it? Or what would you give it? Or whatever you want to call Probably it. Probably a 4. I gave it a four as well. Yeah. Um, I'm probably going to recommend Frighteners, though, to the, you know, as like the movie Monday, just because of the fact that this is a lot. Um, that's fair. This statement. is a lot. So the movie, yeah, movie Monday will be the Frighteners because I feel like that's, uh, you know, underseen for sure. But yeah, uh, gave this a four as, as well. It's just and it's funny. OK, so I gave both of these fours. Right. So 
And what my rating stands is like the Frighteners, much more solid plot, very interesting, very original, very fun. But the CG was sometimes really shitty. This, on the other hand, story really wasn't that great. I mean, it was good, but it, I wasn't like entranced like I was with the Frighteners. But the fucking, you know, practical effects were so damn good that I was like, okay, this deserves a four. So it's funny how I, you know, I give them the same rating for, you know, kind of wildly different reasons. Yeah, no, yeah. I get that. So, um, but yeah, both are fours for me. Definitely. Peter Jackson knows what the fuck he's doing. I want to watch Bad Taste. Uh, that is, like I said, that's his first movie. I am curious real quick before, we, before we're done here. What does Bad Taste have? I've heard it's not that. Oh, 3.2. Okay, can't be that bad. But yeah, this is the title card for that. I don't know what's going on with that. Yeah, I've seen it. Oh, you've seen no, that I've one seen too? I've seen the title card. Oh, okay. So that's going to be something we'll have to do at another not time. Not that, like... Uh underground with my films man i was gonna say yeah what the fuck man just watching everything everything without me apparently so yeah again you cannot find this anywhere besides youtube so if you want to go to youtube check it out before it gets taken down or something it might i don't know anywho um yeah the, like it's just wildly different films i'm glad we put these two together because of how they contrast um I don't know. I mean, I'm sure at some point I'll watch this movie again. It's it's gonna be a spaced out movie. It's gonna be Put like it a, this way. My sister was still living in New York when we watched this. Yeah, maybe like once every five years because this movie is a lot. Yeah, it's. Or we just watch it for our uh, October horror movie and just fucking make everybody sick. Let's not, <laughs> um, because if I put in the energy to make fun treats, I want people to eat them, not go. Ooh, yeah, no know, I'm thanks. Just I'm just kidding. Make um, custard for everybody. Oh, yeah. Let's, uh, oh, my God. I'm going to gag every time I see pudding now. It's, oh, oh man. I should make a custard like a zombie custard. Let's think of ideas off the air because I'm going to wrap this up here. With limbs in it. Anyway. Jesus Christ. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Frightmares, uh, Instagram at Frightmares Podcast, slash our app, Frightmares Podcast. Let me just crinkle this in your ear. I don't know why I'm doing that. Uh, 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 Twitter, Twitter, Frightmarriage underscore pod. I am Dr. Proctor on Letterboxd. You are Watson LMP 90. Boo freaking yeah. Next week, me and Corey will be back doing some urban legend horror movies. Um, oh, for real? Oh, for real. Wait, are they actual urban legend, like the urban legend movies? Or are they movies about urban legends? I just want to clarify. No, we're doing movies that are about urban legends, but I don't. I don't know if it's like real urban legends, but you know, the lore in the movie that the movie is about is about an urban legend that they are in, you know, like investigating or something like that. Uh, one kind of well-known movie for sure. Another not. So I guarantee most people have not heard of, uh, the, the other one, but I'm very excited for that. So until next week, guys, stay tuned and stay spooky. You said it right this time. Goodbye. Thank you.